With social media and things like racing, all, all you can hear is just, oh, this is, you know, great, oh, this is really lovely. It, it's nice to hear that other end of, like, you kind of blew it here or you missed this or you could adjust this a little bit. Welcome to the Pitched Industries Podcast. Hey guys, what's going on? My name's Nick White and you're again listening to the Pitched Industries Podcast. For those of you who have still not heard of Pitched Industries, we're an online community welcoming people from all creative fields who are eager to learn the stories behind some of today's most influential creatives. Today I'm going to be sharing a conversation I had with the extremely talented photographer from the southwest of Western Australia, Andrew Seema. You might have seen some of his work on the front cover of Wavelength magazine, posted all over the place on Instagram, or just scattered amongst various surf magazines around the globe. On this episode, we learn from Andrew about the importance of knowing your why, what he has learned from his mentors, and what it's like to wipe out at one of Australia's biggest waves with his camera in hand, as well as heaps of other stuff. If you have never seen or heard of the wave named The Right in Western Australia, this might be a good opportunity for you to pause this podcast and give it a Google search, or even check out the article from this chat at pitchedindustries.com, where you'll be able to find an image from that particular spot. For those of you who already know, let's get straight into this conversation with Andrew Seamark. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Got a lot of things which I'm wanting to talk to you about today, but I just feel it would be good for the audience just to hear a little bit about how it all started for you and maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself. So it started for, I've been shooting photos now for about 15 years. A lot of my stuff now is based around the ocean, but that's not really where it all began for me. Mum and Dad always used to have this uh, Olympus old film camera that I learned to shoot photos on. And like I've been born and bred down in the southwest of West Australia. So I had the ability to take out the film camera whenever I needed and, and started shooting, mainly landscapes. Like I used to love shooting landscape photos and a trip to New Zealand when I was, I think it was about 13 or 14. That's kind of really um, got me amped on taking photos. And I started surfing when I was pretty young as well. And so it ended up being like a natural progression between shooting like a landscape photo to mixing it to my surf stuff. And we used to buy those, you know, the real cheap um, disposable water cameras. Like they used to come in a blue, I think they're like a blue disposable camera that we used to take out and and started shooting film stuff in the surf just for the mates. And, And yeah, it's just been a general progression from there for shooting photos like uh, photography obviously wasn't my first choice in work either. I started off as a boilermaker welder and then went to a uh, mechanical fitter to working in the mining industry. And that was, that was kind of how I was taught by mum and dad. It wasn't really a creative side pushed. It was more of a get a trade and, and get a decent job. And so... Um, I did that, but then photography was always there and it was a kind of just a slow transition to where it is now where I'm shooting photos full time and um, and loving every minute of it. So I wanted to move on to a question which I'm extremely curious about personally, and that's finding out from the guests that I have on this podcast about moments along their journey where maybe a mentor or a friend within the field perhaps has given them advice which really changed things for them. Tell me about the best piece of advice you have ever received. There's one guy in particular that's really helped me with Russell Lord and um, 
and I like I, I know he's inspired a lot of other people and him having him in the southwest he's uh he's been an absolute blessing like the guy's incredible at his craft and I used to I think I just used to annoy him a lot like I'd see him in the surf and I'd ask him heaps of dumb questions and and be really annoying because it was it was like he's there to shoot a job and there I'm there just like frothing out like being a part of it and um, it got to a point where he, um, I think he just got used to me being really annoying and he, um, he's guided me a lot through, especially the last few years in business, showing how to be capable in a business aspect as well as a photography aspect and, and that's helped me immensely. But And the thing is with Audie's, like he's super blunt as well. Um, like if it's shit, he'll tell you it's shit and so you tend to learn where your images are at and uh it gives you an honest opinion but he's he's always kind of told me is um kind of trust the process and and it's not it's a long game it's a journey it's you're not just going to pick up a camera and be this all-time photographer straight off the bat like you gotta you gotta invest in the time and the hard yards and seeing that journey through and remembering why you started it like always kind of go back to why you started and um, for me, it's the love of photography was always why I started this, and that's something you can. It really helps me, especially in moments of like creative ruts and things like that. Is is remembering why you started this, and and uh, yeah, being in it for the long haul, not just not just for those small parts of glory, but seeing all the nitty gritty out as well. Yes, it seems that Russell Ord seems to be a mentor for quite a few people down south. Is is he someone which you feel a lot of people turn to for that that criticism on their work to really let them know how they are going? Yeah, I mean, Ord's like a you know like he's done so much and he's calls a spade a spade, and so I think it's kind of refreshing to have that. Like, especially with images, you can think you've shot this, you know, like a really nice image, but it's also nice to have a, like, it's nice to have that criticism because sometimes you can kind of like, with social media and things like that, all all you can hear is just, oh, this is, you know, great. Oh, this is really lovely. It's nice to hear that other end of like, you kind of blew it here or you missed this or you could adjust this a little bit. Having, Having that refreshing take on your images it's actually it's really attractive because you want to makes you want to shoot better and and he does that with everyone down here you know like he does mentor a lot of crew he invests in a lot of people and and obviously for a good reason like the guy's incredible at his craft and so i'm i'm lucky to have that input from him and it's it can be hard to take as well like sometimes it's like oh brutal like i didn't really expect that but if you if you can take it on board and and run with it, like it, it only helps you in the end. It's, it's not a personal jab at you. It's 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 critique, and it's really like it's refreshing because like art's so subjective. Like everyone's got their different opinion about like what it is you shoot and what it is you do. So it's always good to take on the the negative side of it as well. Yeah. So getting back to social platforms, which you just touched on earlier. With things like Instagram constantly showing so much quality content from people all over the world, I feel like it's it's easy than ever to really become extremely critical of your own work. When in the past have you found yourself comparing yourself to others? And would you say this is a good oh, thing or a bad thing? All the time. So, like you said, you're accessible to high quality content 24-7. You know, the other 
looking at a phone, you know, like you can see just guys are pushing the bar to a whole new level and you can feel that way very, very easily. But um, it's a choice of kind of looking at your work and kind of being proud of what you've accomplished and knowing that you can get better. That's if you're not learning, you're, you're dead, you know, like it's, it's all about the growth and, and it can easily like social media can be pretty brutal for that because like you said, you've got this access to crazy content all the time. But for me, I don't, I'm, I'm not too sure. Like, I, I, I do get caught up in it. Um, it's very easy to get caught up into it. But it's just I'm enjoying the journey that I'm on and, and I'm enjoying where my photos are at at the moment. I know there's so much room for growth, but I'm having a good time and, and that's kind of how I've dealt with it, I suppose, best I can. Do you often see creatives within your field of expertise wasting their time with particular things? Are there areas which you think they should be focusing their efforts on? I could sit there and, you know, you could critique other people's work, but I'm too busy critiquing my own, to be honest. Like, you learn it. Like, you're going to learn it regardless of the direction you're in. Like, there's so many stages in the creative process where you have these, like, really great highs and then you think you're on a winner and then it just falls flat on its face and it's you know like your response is not as what you thought it would be so it's going to be a learning process for everyone who's in the creative field like you you have these big highs and you also have these big lows where everything's really good and then everything every image you're taking just sucks and i think with the journey of being a creative you're learning consistently of what works what doesn't work whether you're wasting your time and um, whether, you know, like you're on a winner or not. And so um, seeing other crew going through certain stages, like, yeah, but they're, they're probably at a different stage to me or they're on a different level. And I'm, you never know, like, I might find myself in that exact same position where people see the same about me that I'm wasting my time on this. But you eventually learn it. And then that's not really, like, you don't really learn from anyone else. It's just learning from making mistakes yourself because I've made so many and that's where I've learned, oh, I'm wasting my time here or that didn't work, maybe I'll try this. And and so, like, even when you started talking about the podcast you're doing, like, there's no, no clear set lines on how to do what we do. We just do it uh, and we learn. Well, for me, that's what I've done is just, done it and learnt along the way and I've made some decent mistakes and I've learnt from but to where I'm at now like that's helped me grow so I can't complain about them. One other thing that I wanted to discuss with you today is something that happened recently in the southwest of Australia and that was um, Cyclone Marcus when Cyclone Marcus came to town and um, <laughs> mate, everyone yeah. was just losing their shit over it and um, it was funny to see you out there actually surfing getting towed into a couple. What made you surf that day rather than pick up your camera? Marcus was so fun. It was the funnest day, and I shot Cyclone Bianca, shot Cyclone Iggy. I remember shooting them, and I spent hours in the water that day, and they were great as well. Like, I love shooting water, but I also, like, getting back to when I first started, is, like, I started surfing. That's that's what made me love what I do, is, like, combining my surfing with my photography, and 
like I've been, I reckon I've been in a creative rut, like where I felt like I haven't produced an image in like eight or nine months. And I've, I've been still slinging the camera around, taking photos and, and not coming away with anything. And so when Marcus popped up, I was kind of like, you know what, I'm just going to put the camera down and surf. And I had the best day, like, and it was so sick to see everyone shooting photos and everyone enjoying it. Like the Southwest just became the biggest playground and, um, yeah, I've come away with a couple of decent images sent to me after. that a bit of a laugh because everyone was like, oh, I didn't even know you could surf. But um, this is where it all started for me. And, and I actually, like, I enjoyed that day as much as I would have enjoyed it shooting. It was just at that particular stage in where I'm at with my photography, it's like I need a break and I need to get barreled and, I try my best. I'm not very good at surfing. I'm a bit of a crab, but I'll have a dig, and, and <laughs> it was a pretty fun day. Yeah, mate, it would have been unreal. Like the vibe on the beach that day was like something I've, I've never experienced anything like it. Really, the hill just turned into a like a amphitheater sort of like setting. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, um, it was great. Like even just sitting on the ski, like watching crews like trade off in waves, and everyone on the beach like laughing and enjoying themselves. That's what it's all about. Like, and there's it's such a good vibe and you can't go wrong, especially in North Wales, they only come around every 10 years. It's pretty rare, so. Yeah, yeah. So to stay on the um, subject of you being in the water, you recently had a close call trying to photograph one of Australia's biggest slabs from the water. Um, can you paint a picture for the audience on, on what happened that day? Well, it was, um, oh, it was like day of days. It was such a great day down there and, um, I jumped in the water pretty early and I was just shooting um, from the water because usually, I, you know, like you kind of sit on a ski and, and like you can shoot from a ski, but I've been trying to get in and shoot a bit of a tighter angle and go for that. And so the sun was out, like the waves are really good, the winds were perfect. And so I jumped in and I was shooting and there's a guy that I've been teaming up with, Jake Osman, we've been trying to nail a bit of a double angle and it kind of pushed me because I've always wanted to surf the right but I figured if I'm going to surf it I might as well take a photo of me surfing it of someone else and so we come up with trying to give a double a go and so we got a couple of smaller ones early didn't really work out and uh, I remember the set come through and Brad Morris and Dan Corbett were towing I think Dan towed Brad into the first one and it wasn't like a cracker it was pretty big and they, the boys looked at me and they were like, oh, it's a bomb. And we kind of just said, yeah, let's let's do it. And we took off and all was going pretty sweet. Uh, we were coming a little bit on a crook angle. And um, Jake, I remember just Jake screaming like, go, go, go. And I let go of the rope. And I just, I come in in a super awkward angle and I was on top of it and it had a really big step. And uh, as I've, kind of hesitated i think i went to kind of turn out i fell early and i fell at the worst spot i fell on top and literally i just thought oh no this is not good Um, and i braced pretty much braced my camera and i went top to bottom in the lip the thing just went so mutant and uh yeah sent me sent me with the lift it was a bit of a free fall you know that weightless feeling like dropping down into it but it was like nothing I've ever experienced because I was dropping for so long. I uh, hit the bottom and then, yeah, I think that's kind of what surprised me most was how violent 
it was once I hit the bottom, um, the turbulence just like feels like it's just ripping your limbs apart and trying to hold on to a five kilo camera was pretty tricky and I, I remember just my ears started screaming and I had a I had a pool vest, like I had a safety vest, but yep. I ha- at that stage I haven't even thought to pull it and I was down, I was just like, this way, like you're all good. Uh, cause, and I got to a point where I was like, oh crap, I'm getting a little bit nervous now, I might pull. So I pulled my vest and even when I pulled my vest, I didn't seem to pop up for ages. And eventually I just, I hit the surface and uh, the guy that was towing this hand me, he, um, he was right there. And the look on his face is probably the scariest part about it. I had a pretty bad blood nose and he looked at me and he, he just dragged me onto the ski and uh, I think the, the ski ride back to the channel, that was, I, I don't even remember it. I was kind of super rattled, but I got back and I was just laughing because I was, I was still alive. So obviously that was a big plus, but yeah, the boys in the channel, I think they're all a little bit, <laughs> everyone's a little bit worried. And, uh, unfortunately, didn't get a shot of it because I think uh, Chrissy Bryan, he shot the first one and Tim Benithan was having dramas with his camera. So didn't come away with a photo, but that's okay. It's not really why I'm doing it. But from what I've seen from the phone footage, it looks pretty funny. You'll have a nice clip of um, of you going over the falls there for the for the wall, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, it was... But like in that in that same sense, it's not like I'm going in completely blind. I've I've trained like with a crew down here for for situations like pressure situations and and breath hold and things like that. And maybe I can take those beatings. Like it it does give you a little bit of confidence. But obviously, I haven't never really tried it with a five kilo camera and towing into bombs like that. So. Yeah, so describe to us how you prepare both mentally and physically to swim, you know, among these huge waves. Are you like some sort of Ian Thorpe replica that like no one in Perth knows about or like what's going on? Uh, I, I'm probably the furthest thing from Ian Thorpe, but um, I think swimming's probably my strongest point. Like I'm not like, uh, I've got a pretty fast metabolism, so I'm a pretty lanky, skinny human. Um, but I, obviously spending like having water time uh spending time in the water and knowing your surroundings and obviously i shot for a fair bit that morning as well so you get a vibe of how the ocean feels i i do a lot of free diving and spear fishing with a couple of mates here in the southwest and so that all helps like it all combines to doing what you're doing um the surfing side of things though i probably need to get consistent like like more consistent at surfing bigger slabs so i got a better understanding but to prepare for that i don't know it's, i was sitting on the ski earlier and my mate that was driving my ski he kind of i was like let's do it you know like, let's give it a go and i think the weight just waiting for the wave was the worst bit about it because i was kind of like oh i don't know what's gonna happen i was stressing a little bit and i'm not usually like that in the water i usually like to stay as relaxed as i can um, but after having that really bad beat down, it kind of just made me more hungry and more amped to, to do it again and actually nail that angle. It just kind of pushes your, just your ability. It, it might not ever like amount to anything, but it's just a goal of mine that I've had for a little while. And if I can come away with an image that, you know, like I'm really proud of, I'd be stoked. So. One of the things that I would love to get my head around is actually what goes through, especially your head as a photographer, holding this five kilo camera. What what actually goes through your mind when you're taking a hold down like that? <laughs> uh, 
just relaxing. Um, not like trusting your ability, I suppose, is the biggest one. Like, he, uh, like doing some training prior to that, like doing, I think, a free dive, uh, watermanship course, just learning about what your mental capacity is when you have a, like having a bad hold down and, and staying in those, in those moments, you've got to be like super kind of focused and relaxed. Um, and I, it's like, I don't know how these guys do it on the regular. This is just my first experience of doing it as well. Like for me, I, I was just trying to stay as calm as I could um, and hold on to my camera <laughs> as tight as I could as well. I didn't really want to let it go, but preparing for it and like mentally like going through that point i was just mainly staying relaxed and trusting that i can hold my breath and i know that i can you know like i can get through this and i came out on top and i was lucky you know like it could have been far worse like and like i've uh, even already was kind of uh like i talked to him afterwards he was a bit uh, funny about it because <laughs> he doesn't want to see me put you know like unnecessary risk and things like that but you know, I'm, he's one that's pushed the level of photography out there to a point that he's left it open for anyone to, to push it even more. So, I'm going to move on now to um, something which I'm sure a few of um, our listeners will be interested in finding out, and that is what the equipment you use is. All photographers, including myself, seem to have you know that one piece of equipment which is just second to none and which we couldn't live without. What would that piece of equipment be for you? Uh, probably my water housing <laughs> and my 50 mil. I mean, having Aquatech, like they, they do my housings and they, they build the most insane housings. They're just built for exactly what you need. Um, and obviously they're designed by guys that know how to shoot photos well and like all the whole Aquatech, um, setups are just insane. And that's, that's been my biggest advancement because I had like a couple of other housings first, like, for brands that I run with and it's like you, you know it's just not the same as having the exact control of your camera in the water as you do without a housing it's you can't go wrong and I'm, I'm shooting Canon gear um, I'm kind of like I don't I don't really get involved in like the Canon Nikon thing I don't even like I just got a camera and I know where I can push my camera to and and I only kind of upgrade when I know I've reached my camera's limits uh, in what I'm doing, and so Canon's what I was you know, like. Uh, my 24 to 70 gets run a bit in the water. My 50 mil, I love my my Canon 50 mil 1.2 lens. It's my favourite. I, I could shoot just everything and anything on that lens. And yeah, so that's basically what I'm using. Like and like some water stuff. I've got my 70 to 200 for those tighter kind of angles from the water and looks really good as well but yeah definitely in aquatech housing especially with what i do like being a uh, ocean based you know they're second to none do you often think about where photography is headed in the future and does that influence the way you approach your photography today yeah i mean my style thing is consistently developing and and like i'm nowhere near where i want to be as a photographer like i feel like i'm only just kind of scraping the surface of my ability behind a lens and so that's been a huge part of how my style's evolving and I'd like to see it like evolve into the future of photography because I mean guys out there are just some guys out there are just pushing the bar there's some amazing imagery and it's super exciting like to be a part of and I'd love to see like what I do as a part of 
the future of photography and showcasing my work into the future that it stays stays relevant that people enjoy it consistently enjoy it and and it, it keeps pushing a level further and further and it's exciting times it's also nervous because sometimes like oh am, am i out of touch or is this not going to work or is this just a dying art uh art series that i'm doing but it's not why i'm doing it it's not why and that's where i, I go back to why it all started is that's purely doing it because i love it and uh, like the way it's gone and the way it's grown has just been like i can't i can't put words to how good that's been for me and it's, I'm stoked people are enjoying it and people are seeing it, but it's for me, it's not about that. It's just doing that, what I love, and, and continuing to grow and hopefully keep producing some high-quality stuff that I'm super proud of. Like always, before we wrap things up today, I'd just like to let all the listeners know that you can find everything we've spoken about today, information, links taking you to anything we've spoken about, as well as some of um, Andrew's work over at pitchedindustries.com. Are there any places you would like the audience to go to find more about you and see more of your work and and what you've got planned for the future? Uh, You can always stay updated with my website, just Andrew. Uh, com, and then like my insta stuff like instagram and social media channels is just and and that's kind of where like people will see most of my input um or not most of my input but a fair majority of input of what i'm up to and and things to come awesome i'll definitely be putting all those links in the show notes for anyone who is interested in finding out more but for now i'd really like to just say thanks so much for coming on the show it's been um awesome Cheers, Legend. Thanks for having us, and uh, hopefully it's some help to some crew out there. So that's just about it for today, guys. I hope you got something out of this podcast, or maybe it's inspired you to think a little bit more about why you're doing what you're doing and how you're going about it. Like always, I'd love to hear from you guys about what you think of this podcast. If there are things you'd like me to add to it, or guests you'd like me to get on, or anything really, I'd love to hear it all. To get in contact with me, send me an email at pitchedindustries.com via the contact page, or you can get onto Instagram and send us a DM at pitchedindustries. It would be unreal to hear from you guys about what you're thinking of the podcast and if there's any areas you feel I can improve on. For now, it's goodbye, but I'll be back next week with another episode where I'm interviewing Brendan Foster, or as you might know him, Azurco on Instagram from the southwest of Western Australia. Until then, that's it. Looking forward to chatting with you guys then. Cheers.